Welcome to Two Feet in the Podcast, where ideas and inspiration meet to produce action. Today, we are breaking down ideas and giving you a strong dose of motivation. Get up and get moving on your dreams with me. I'm the coach, Heather Macy, and I'm ready to coach you and how to live two feet in. Come wine with us at the Wine House on Haywood Road in Greenville, South Carolina. Happy hour, Tuesday through Friday, 4 to 6.30 p.m. 475 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina. Joining Two Feet in the Podcast today is Coach Ken French, a 30-year men's college basketball veteran coach, heavily involved in the NABC Executive Board and the NAIA, a, a former head coach at the University of Rio Grande, uh, so glad that Ken French could be on the podcast. What's up, Coach? What's going on, Coach Macy? How are you? Listen, I'm so glad that you're here being involved in the podcast. We're going to get it started right away with the rapid reflection redistribution question. It's the what, the how, and the who, an interesting fact and fiction. Coach, are you ready? Let's go. What are you drinking these days? I'm straight H2O water. Um, if 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 I need anything different, I'll probably just throw in some Advocare um, Spark. And who are you Zooming with? Anyone that's added any value? Um, I've been involved with some of the NABC clinics and that kind of stuff when they first started going. And uh, to be quite honest, uh, the, the just people in my circle, uh, former coach uh, Bob Williams at West Virginia Tech, he and I talk weekly and, and – uh, you know, kind of check in on each other and, and uh, both of us are kind of out of the profession trying to get back in and that kind of thing. So it's been great to connect and, and try to stay uh, connected with old friends. And Coach, how are you staying motivated? Uh, with my faith and my family uh, going through all of this. It's just been, uh, it's been great to reconnect and, and uh, you know, solidify my faith as long and uh, relationships with my family because, you know, as a basketball coach, we kind of, um, you know, get distracted and don't give as much time to them as what we probably should. Interesting things happening with you? Uh, well, in transition, you know, um, about two weeks before the quarantine started, maybe even only a week, uh, I was let go at the University of Rio Grande. They want to go in a different direction. So uh, in a in a huge transition, you know, and one of the things that I've been able to to focus on and, and and is if I was just going through my that by myself, it'd probably be a lot more difficult. But I've also seen how it's going to affect my family making this transition. So making a transition, trying to find a new place. All right. Now, follow up. I think we'll build on that topic. The toughest thing that you've battled? Uh, losing both my parents. Uh, when I was about 23, 24, I lost my dad to cancer. And then six years ago, I lost my mom. So uh, that would be the, the biggest loss. That's been Coach Ken French on the three R's. All right, Coach, we've got to dive deep into a couple of those topics that you just brought up. Perspective is the first thing I want to talk about. So okay. um, when I asked you the toughest thing, I thought you were going to talk about your job uh, and being in a transition period, and you didn't. You went right into what we learn as coaches really quick, the stuff that really matters, and talked about your mom and dad. So can you, um, can you talk to us about the term perspective and how through your 30 plus years doing this perspectives have changed over time and maybe specifically with what you just are going through. Yeah. I think, you know, the big thing for me is you, you got to practice what you preach, you know, and 
I talked to all my players, you know, uh, throughout my career about next play, next play, you know, let it go. And I think that that's what I need to do as an individual going through this transition. Um, did it rock my world? Absolutely, it did. Um, but the perspective that I had was, you know, I was blessed that I had that opportunity to do what I did at Rio, build what I built at Rio, and have those relationships and share those experiences with all my former players, coaches, et cetera, and what my family was able to experience and try to hold on to those positives. Um, even though it's been a quick turnaround for me, you know, I know a lot of people that have gone through this, you know, they go through that time of, I don't know if I want to coach anymore. Uh, I may look at something else outside of the profession. I never did that. I never felt that way. Um, I felt like I needed to jump back in as soon as possible. And my perspective was, yes, I may have to take a step back a little bit and to get the back to where I want to be or to thrust me forward. But I think it's been my faith in knowing that, you know, God's going to put me in a, in a situation that's going to be better for us in, in the long run. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I read that, that really, really hit home for me was this transition. It may have broken my heart at the time, but I think it fixed my vision. And I'll say that again. At the time, it broke my heart. But I think it fixed my vision moving forward, you know, that I can see some things that maybe I need to improve on or change or things that I want to look for in my next potential, you know, situation I'm going to be in. So I've, I've said this before. I had a, a AD, this really good AD, said to me, Heather, you got to love things that will love you back. And we put so much into the place and we sometimes forget that it's the people. And so the relationships that you come out of, um, when you're in your transition period, have you had some significant relationships that have emerged? And, um, and, and, le and let's add this to your family. I mean, uh, one, I, I love your family and I love following you guys have that Myrtle Beach trip uh, that I always feel like I live vicariously through you guys when y'all go down <laughs> there and, and watch y'all have the most, you know, that's what Ohio kind of does though, isn't it? It's like, oh, it, the Myrtle Beach takeover or something. Um, oh, absolutely. Everybody coming down. But listen, talk, talk to us. Talk, tell us about those things. And, you know, maybe there's a, a coach or there's someone listening right now that is in the middle of it or feeling like, hey, this is coming up. Um, and maybe maybe the quarant the pandemic saved me <laughs> for a couple right. of months before this happens to a coach. You know, and I think I can look at the pandemic, too, as a negative. You know, I, I've. You know, I, I can't get out. I can't go network and that kind of thing. you got to network in a different way and you got to utilize technology now. But, um, you know, I, I think the big thing, you know, for me is the relationships that I have established over the years. I think you had in an earlier podcast, Donnie Tindall was talking about, you'll have people that they only liked you because of your title that you they called you coach. You were coach. And then when you go through some adversity and maybe you're not at that position anymore or that school, that institution anymore, um, they kind of forget about you. But they've got another coach in place. Now they they that's their coach um, and they didn't value the relationship with you as an individual or a person. They only valued the relationship because of the what you what you held as as the coach. And I, I, I think I've. I've become aware of that, um, but relationships have come up that maybe I didn't think that were as strong as what I anticipated, 
and they are now. I've had a lot of coaches reach out to me and provide help that maybe, you know, I knew in passing or knew a little bit of or we had crossed paths somewhere along the line through the game, great game of basketball. But they've reached out and they've, be, they've become closer, you know, yourself included. And Donnie Jones at Stetson, he and I have known each other since we were in high school. And, and uh, he shared a lot of things because they've gone through this because people that have gone through this know what you're going through and they can relate to it and they can help you. And those relationships uh, have come to the forefront. And I've got uh, a lot of my mentors um, that are still around from my high school coach to some coaches that I grew up working camps with. Um, those relationships have come, become stronger and they check in on you. And, you know, it, it, it's neat to, to uh, realize who it is that really does care about you. Uh, it's refreshing. And uh, it's also re-energizing because you find out, hey, you're not alone. You're not the only one this has happened to. You can get back up. You can do this. And, and those relationships are just, um, you, you can't even, words can't describe the value that they give you when you're going through this right now. So you were at one location 20 years and um, there's a bunch of people who do that, right? I mean, th this is less and less. I think as time goes on, people stay that long. And, but, but that's happened to a lot of coaches. And then for whatever reason, a change takes place. Job markets change. Um, scenarios change. Tell us in your mind some things that have changed since, while, while you've been in a place for 20 years. And if you could go back with it, would you um, – have more discussions with other people about jobs during the period of time that you're at one location just for the ability to stay relevant or, or the practice of the interview process? You know, that is, that last question is a very interesting question. And, and, you know, the easy thing would be say yes. Um, but knowing my moral compass and my makeup, my personality, I, I would say, no, I wouldn't have changed that, but I would, the thing that I would have done is would I would have tried to stay on top of my portfolio, my resume. Um, I was so caught off guard, you know, by this. I didn't have a resume. I didn't have um, a portfolio, which is, is huge now. You know, back when I first got the job, you know, nobody was talking about a portfolio or anything like that. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I would change that. I would be more prepared just in case. Um, but I don't think that I would change my mindset and, and pursue other things. And you and I both know a lot of coaches, um, you know, when I talk to people and I say, Hey, I was at Rio 20 years, I've been a head coach for 14. They're like, wow, I knew you'd been there for a long time, but I didn't realize that long. I've got a lot of friends in a profession, you know, they go somewhere three, four, five years, five years might be a long time. And they're already looking to what's next and moving on and, you know, in some ways I respect that and I value that, that they're able to do that. That's just not my, been my personality. I wanted to go somewhere and, and develop some roots and build something. And I was able to do that, not just with my program, but with my, my camp that was very successful. And so from that, I wouldn't change that. Um, but I think I would have changed, you know, I think I would have been able to see some things and, and maybe prepare for, hey, it might be time to move on. And, and, and I think everybody goes through that. Everybody, if you stay in this profession long enough, uh, it's going to happen to you. Well, and I think that there's a fine line of if you're getting stale, being at a place too long, um, 
or if the people who are calling you every single year wanting you to help them find another job and you just kind of know basically in, in April you that that person's gonna call you again um, so it, it, what I have experienced anyway is if you're spending your entire spring in the job hunt I think that long term your program will suffer I mean I, I can think about years that I was in the mix for certain jobs and maybe went down that path and explored it well I started noticing the the hours and days that I spent uh, researching and thinking about another job that my program started, you know, in some way it, I lost some attention that it was needed in that, in that respect. So um, talk to us about what you see as a lot of young coaches um, looking for every other year, a new job and, and the benefits of, like you said, your family and everybody getting integrated in the community. You know, I think that, that that's very important. And, and we talked to this about our players. We used to have this saying, you know, you talk about two feet in and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and I always talk about 90% in is 100% out. So if you're not 100% invested in what you're doing, and let's say you're just doing it at 90%, well, then you're out. You're not really there. You're not to, to the level that we function as or would like our student athletes or our assistant coaches or even us as a head coach, um, you know, to be successful. You need to be 100% in and you know, even at 90, 90% in is 100% out. And I think that that fits in this as well. I agree with you 100% from the standpoint of if you're – I didn't even pay attention to hoop dirt, hoop dirt. Now, I was in a situation where I only had two GAs as assistant coaches, so they, after two years, they needed to be looking for jobs. So I was always filling those positions and looking for somebody new, plus helping them move on. But they're the ones that were on hoop dirt. I never even paid attention to hoop dirt. I would see something posted on Twitter every now and then. And and what changed for me is, is as soon as this happened now, I'm on top of, you know, I, I know about jobs that are opening up before they open, you know, before the public knows and, and anybody's aware of them. And, and it does. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a you, you got to work at it. And if that's what you do. I had a, a coach that's a friend of mine, Greg White, who's a motivational speaker. He's a former head coach at Marshall University and, and University of Charleston. You know, he talked to me about, you're a head coach. You need, to, you need to chase down another head coaching job. That's what you want to be. That's what you need to be. That's who you are. So, you know, don't let somebody else tell you, well, maybe you need to do this. If you want to be a head coach, chase head coaching jobs. And so I'm going through that process right now. And that's what I, that's who I am. I'm a head coach. I think that, uh, you know, I can bring a, a program value and that kind of thing. So that's what I'm doing right now. That's what I want to do. And until I exhaust all my resources or all my energy chasing that, then I may look at something else. But right now that's been my focus. So you said a couple times, things that you tell your players and for coaches, we're really good at one liners to our team, <laughs> uh, sometimes living those out. Uh, is different for us and we get challenged in those respects so let's talk about this so it, our, another thing we want to tell with our players is we want them to play with confidence regardless if they if they've had a bad game or maybe they've had a bad month you know, we want their confidence to be where it needs to be when it's time to produce on game day what does something like this do to shake your confidence what does something like this do as, as you just mentioned you're a head coach you 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 need to be a head coach you need to keep giving back to a program what does that do for, for you as a head coach with something like this happens? It's something so unexpected and, and uh, bizarre 
occurred? Oh, what? That's an outstanding question because that's a deep question too. We could probably talk for 30 minutes just on that alone. Um, you know, I, I think that that becomes how confident in you are on what you were doing, what you were able to achieve. And are you caught up in what occurred to you, what happened to you, or what were you able to accomplish while you were in that position and, and, and in charge of your own program and that kind of thing. For me, um, it was devastating. Like I said, it broke my heart, but, um, I think I was able to move forward and it fixed my vision to see, you know, what was going on because of the outpouring of support that I got, whether it, it was campers that I had in camp or my current or former players or parents of players or parents of campers. Um, the, the outpouring of support, to be honest, honest is initially what, kind of saved me because you do you question everything well maybe i wasn't good enough maybe i need to look you know and, and that's that's human nature is to doubt when you go through a little bit of failure or adversity like that and i think it goes back to everything that uh you know most people will agree with you're not your toughest alone you need people in your corner whether it's your faith in god or friends family whoever it may be you know, and I started talking about that a lot when I lost my parents, especially when I lost my mom, is you're not your toughest alone. That's when I really became closer with God. My faith got me through that, but a lot of friends and, and that kind of thing. And if you deal with things on your own and you don't have anybody else in your corner, it's going to be much more difficult. Now, are those people stronger? I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe the strongest people are the ones who do and are capable of relying on others and um, having those relationships that, that are partnerships. You know, the goal of a, a, is, of a partnership is to create value. And those relationships are the ones that, that you need to lean on when you go through these. And I think that's what has kept me going. That's what's kept me being positive is obviously my relationship with my wife, Tanya, and who's phenomenal. And then, you know, my kids, um, Allie and, and Trey, you know, one's a freshman in, high school and the other is a, a sophomore in college. So, you know, I've been able to to look at things through their their eyes too and what they're going through. It's transition for them. And uh you know, I think that those relationships, those partnerships that create value and build you up and help you give you confidence, you know, as a player, those are the ones that we connect with the, the most, the ones that we can have a positive impact and create value for. It's the same for us those relationships and those partnerships that create value, those are the ones that help us get through these, these things and, and this adversity. So coach, you, you were a NAI head basketball coach, but that wasn't all you were doing besides raising your family. You were very busy in building one of the biggest and most successful summer camps and taking your team as part of the Nike coaches clinics around the country as, um, demonstrators so let's go let's go deeper into that obviously I think a coach's skill set transfers into different industry into different markets and in different ways uh thus you're seeing me dive into different like a podcast but I dive into a lot of different areas under that same realm of coaching so have you how has that helped you during this time or in general would you tell coaches to diversify absolutely you have to um 
you know, for me to start with the camp situation, the camp was so important to me because that's where I fell in love with the game of basketball. Um, you know, I've always had this saying, if you're good to the game, the game will be good to you. And I fell in love with the game of basketball at a, at a, at a summer basketball camp when I was 10 years old. And that impact that it had on me and the love of the game and the experiences that basketball has provided, not only me, but my family, I wanted to try to replicate that. My goal every summer that we had camp was I want to, I want to try to touch one young man and get them to fall in love with the way with, with basketball, the way that I did and have it impact their lives. And um, I think we've done that. I know we've done that in some instances with feedback that I've gotten from, from former campers and that kind of thing. And, and when I took over camp, we had 85 kids in camp and we had weeks where we had, you know, well over 350 in camp and we were old school. We ran from Sunday to Friday morning, old school camp that, you know, a lot of people said you couldn't do anymore. And we were having success doing that. Majority of the camp was outside. You know, we had four indoor courts and we had nine outdoor courts on the blacktop. And and um, what we were able to grow and, and, and build in that was was phenomenal. And and hopefully we did, you know, uh, you know, have a camper fall in love with the game of basketball. Like I said, and the NABC clinics, you know, it started 14 years ago with Ed Janka and when it was the Nike clinic. And, you know, I just offered our program, you know, to help and. You know, for 14 years, we've been a partner with them and and worked their clinics as a demonstration team. And I've been a speaker at the Nike and NABC basketball clinics. And now it's Tom McDonald with Championship Productions. And those relationships and the 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 coaches that I was able to interact with and meet like yourself. That's how you and I met, you know, was at the Myrtle beach clinic when you were a speaker and, and those relationships have grown. It's part of that networking, you know, uh, my networking started when I was a, a camper and then a counselor, then a coach at summer camps. And it's grown into, you know, now that I'm still the head coach, I'm still providing those experiences for not only my campers, but, the coaches and counselors that work camps and now my players who get to attend and work those camps, the coaches, the division one coaches, they've been able to meet. Um, you know, if you pull up the majority of those, you know, championship production clinic videos, well, the university of Rio Grande, my players are on most of them. Um, and I think that that, that add, adds value to them. They're proud of that. Um, we've had unbelievable you know, compliments from people from Gino Ariema to Bob Knight to, you know, people that have never heard of the University of Rio Grande, don't even know how to pronounce the name. And because we worked with them and, and you know, my program was was uh, such a good demonstration team, you know, they gained a lot of respect for not only my guys, but for me as their head coach. And, and they talked about our culture, which was another one of those things that gives you confidence and and, uh, you know, makes you aware of, hey, we're doing the right things. And so I, I would encourage anybody, you know, find a niche, find something, find some way to continue networking and, and you know, broaden your horizon, so to speak. So this podcast has a wide variety of folks listening, not just coaches. There's CEOs and uh, small business owners and and moms and dads, and it's a lot of different people. So this is your platform. And give us what you want to educate the world on in this platform. 
or just something that you're passionate about? You know, I think something I've developed over the last few years, and I talk to my players about this, is, is um, you know, it's that advice that we give that we need to follow as well. Uh, I'm big on this now, and, and, you know, I started off, I was talking about how my heart was broken losing my job, but it fixed my vision. And one of the things about that is find people who are for what you are. Um, and I talk to my players about that. Find people that are for what you're for. If you're in a relationship, if you've got a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever, you know, find somebody that's for what you're for. Because if you're not, you know, if you don't have this, you don't have to be identical, but your faith or whatever it may be, if they're for what you're for, if they support your vision and you support theirs and it's a partnership and it gives value, then you're going to grow. Uh, but if it's somebody that doesn't believe in your values or your thoughts or your faith and they may have different values, then, you know, it's going to be a constant battle. And I think the same can be said for us as basketball coaches. You know, we need to work in an athletic department and and find a place that they're for what you're for. They value what you want to value. You know, I was at a I was at I ran a faith based program but I wasn't at a faith-based institution for me to do that. I've got to have support. I've got to have people that are for what I'm for and what I see and what I envision um, to support that, to be able to do it and do it the right way. Um, So my, my best advice would be find people that are for what you're for Um, because the journey that you're on, the journey that we're all on that we call life is going to be much more enjoyable if you do that. You know, if if everybody's rowing in the same direction, you're probably going to go to some great de- uh, destinations and you're going to get there quicker. Um, but find people who are for what you're for. And uh, I mean, that would probably be my best advice, you know. And, and the other thing that we started talking about is what I use the term play for more. Um, and it could be coach for more. It could be live for more. It could be work for more, whatever you want. But the more is broken down into memories others, relationships, and excellence. And I strive to do that um, and break those down and and really have people understand what that is and what it means. And, and, um, you know, again, it goes, it all goes back to relationships. Are they partnerships and they create value or are the relationships, you know, one-sided, you know, they need to be sincere and open and, and, you know, that can be, you know, a whole topic in itself right there. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, as basketball coaches, when you go through this or anybody, you know, I I would like, you know, you and your situation, me and my situation, what would it look like if they went and asked our players that we coached the last five, six, 10 years ago, whatever it may be, why not talk to the former players and see how we impacted their lives? and what their lives are like and what they took from being in our programs. You know, if you're an athletic director and you're getting ready to hire somebody, isn't that something that you would want to, to, to ask, but you don't hear of anybody doing that. And and to me, that's one of the things that would be very interesting. And I think that I would, I think you would, most people that feel like they're successful, they would have a lot of confidence in, in somebody go back and ask our players that we coached and what impact we had with them and, and how we may have impacted their lives and what kind of fathers, you know, wives, husband, you know, what kind of family persons have they turned into and what type of role did our programs and when they were in our programs, 
what type of role did that play in their development as young men and women? Um, you know, those are the things that I take, you know, a lot of value, uh, a lot of, um, you know, pride in are, are those things. And, and it, it, you know, I've, I've hit on it. I've said it over and over, but relationships, that's the whole key to everything. So coach, you are such a motivator and everything you've said, I've jotted down so many of, of things. It's incredible things to inspire. And that's the, really the concept of this podcast. If someone's listening right now and they feel motivated and they feel inspired, but I want to take it one step farther. I want to go, okay, you feel inspired. You feel motivated. How can we, and what we're talking about, help bring you to action? So how can you help us give us techniques to take a listener right now who feels fired up to ch- accomplish whatever challenge it is that's ahead and bring this listener all the way to action? I think, you know, you, you need to really evaluate, do your daily habits reveal your mission? You know, um, what are your daily habits? And, and I guess, you know, first thing you want to go back to is what's your mission? You know, take me, for example, right now, my mission is I want to be a head coach again at a, at a small college level. So that's my mission. Are my daily habits revealing what my mission is? You know, am I, am I networking? Am I um, applying for positions that are open? Am I checking on positions that are open? Am I still staying in contact with those those coaches that are in my corner and, and that I can use as part of my network who can help me get that next position? Um, if you're a player, do your daily habits reveal your mission? What's your mission? Well, I want to make the team or I want to start on the team or I want to be an All-American, whatever it may be. If that's your mission, then are your daily habits revealing that mission? How much time are you spending um, you know, working on your game and do you watch film to get better? You know, uh, what do you, what are your sleep habits? It could be, you know, what's your nutrition like and, and these daily habits, are they revealing the mission that you have? You know, it's easy for a player to say, Hey, I want to be an all American or I want to start this year. Well, what are your habits? What are your habits that you're doing daily to reach that mission? Um, that would be the best advice that I would give is to evaluate everything and, and check and, you know, have somebody even hold you in check is, is do your daily habits reveal your mission of what you're wanting to accomplish. All right, coach, send us off strong. Give our listeners your daily dose of motivation to end the podcast. Oh my. Um, I think, you know, my big thing would be is, is, um, you know, like I said, communication is the key um, to any relationship. And I think those relationships um, need to be sincere and open sharing and, and flexible, uh, loyal and trustworthy, uh, dependable and respectful, you know, appreciative and committed, com- compassionate and responsible. Um, I think if you can master those and in your relationships, you're going to find that those aren't relationships. Those are partnerships. And the goal of those partnerships is to create value. And um, I think those are the people that you want to have in your corner. And, and I think the, I've learned that the smaller your circle is, probably the stronger those partnerships are. The wider your 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 uh, your circle is, I think maybe you've got some relationships in there that aren't as strong. Maybe they're a little bit weaker. I've always been the type I've got a small circle, um, but I think that that's one of the things that going through this that I'm trying to change and I'm trying to expand my circle and build more relationships. There are more partnerships 
and that they're true and they create value. Thanks to our guest friend and head coach, Ken French, for being two feet in, reminding us that you aren't your toughest alone and being 90% in is 100% out. Visit the show notes to learn more about Coach and to reach him directly. That's been Coach Ken French on Two Feet in the Podcast. If you're looking for a career, not just a job, we're now hiring CDL Class A drivers at DMX Transportation in Duncan, South Carolina. Apply online at www.shipdmx.com. A big thank you to all of our guests for breaking down ideas, giving a strong dose of motivation, and helping us learn to live two feet in.